If you're like me, you don't always have time to sit down and read news articles. And it would be great if someone could read it to you in like, you know, a natural human voice and not sound like a robot. Well, there's Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles from the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. So you don't have to sit there and scroll. You just get to listen and it's great as you drive down the road or you know, you're doing chores or whatnot. They also have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from, well, over 40 countries. Guess what? Our podcast, The Better Utopia, it's on there too. Download and use Newsly for free now from the website www.newsly.me or go to the link in the description. If you use the promo code Utopia, U-T-0-P-1-A, you can get one month free premium. That's one month free. This is A Better Utopia, an audiobook podcast written and produced by Counter Culture Rebellion. Normally, this would be another chapter. However, I'm right now trying to button up and finish writing the season finale. And to kind of celebrate and kick off the end of the first season, I have a very special guest who I'm very excited for. So I hope you guys enjoy and stay tuned at the end for a sneak peek of another part of the season finale. All right, today we've got a special guest. We've got Grayson with the Conservative Nerd Podcast. Grayson, it is great to have you here. I've been looking forward to this interview, and um, thank you for coming on the show. No, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks, thanks for having me on. So I've got to ask you, what like screw is loose are you partially insane what what drove mm-hmm. you crazy enough to decide i'm gonna have a conservative podcast and enter into the arena <laughs> well um it really started like i i i've had a dream to do something like a podcast just maybe just do something to let my creative juices flow and it wasn't till uh, right after the Afghanistan debacle that we just had that I really and I I, I listen to other conservative hosts, the other political podcasts I listen to, like Ben Shapiro, uh, Stephen Crowder, and none of them, while they were bashing Biden. And, and rightfully so, I feel like they really weren't like hitting him hard enough. The really he, because in my opinion, the what happened in Afghanistan was probably the greatest foreign policy disaster of it, at least my lifetime that I've seen. Because not only did Biden hand billions of dollars in our armaments two terrorists gave them their own country which uh china and russia immediately backed the taliban government which is no surprise but also resulted in 13 american service members losing their lives like completely like and and it was so in in my mind that that just was 
unacceptable. And I wanted to say something about it. I wanted to really go after Biden and uh, specifically about Afghanistan. But I feel like I also wanted to uh, really get into the public arena. And I, I call my podcasts uh, the conservative nerd because I'm a conservative and I'm also a nerd. I, I love nerd culture, uh, the video games, movies, uh, the shows, sports, even like tabletop, tabletop RPGs. But I realized that, and, it, and it's no, like, not like Hollywood hides this, but they're super, super progressive and they put this junk into everything nowadays. Movies, like I said, video, video games, movies, and sports. You can't do anything without having this liberal agenda being shoved down your throat. And I decided to at least counter that because I believe that there were nerds like me who had to just sit down and shut up when your clan members online or whoever you were playing board games with started going off on liberal tangents, you just had to keep your mouth shut or with the fear of being either kicked out of the game or kicked out of your clan or this, that, or the other for your political beliefs. And I just wanted to get in that space and create a community of like-minded nerds. So that's long, long-winded, I apologize, but that's pretty much why I decided to start my podcast no actually that was perfect it you know uh led right up to my next question i was going to ask you without me having to you know figure out a way to segue into it so thank you <laughs> so um so you're kind of stepping into us almost where there's kind of a void i mean there's some people you like you kind of mentioned the daily wire uh mm-hmm. ben Shapiro and them they're starting to try to make movies they're starting to try to step into that cultural void mm-hmm. um do you think it's too late for conservatives to engage in the culture war at this point? Do you think that we're just so behind the curve that, um, you know, at this point it's it's a losing fight? Or do you think there's still the ability to reach people, to drive conservative messages, whether it be in books, podcasts, movies, games, and such? Uh, I, I think we're pretty much in... <laughs> Uh, we're we're essentially DC right now, uh, trying to catch up to Marvel. Ouch! <laughs> it, that that's kind of how far behind we are with just Mar- say Marvel's been doing this for a long time, and now us conservatives being DC in this picture, we're we're way behind in the film. But what we need to do is find uh, find what we're doing right and really stick with that cuz DC has really good animated content that just I grew up watching the Justice League there's yeah. so many good animated DC films and I feel like D- DC really needs to stick to probably their animated stuff I mean I I I Personally, I die on the hill that uh, Batman versus Superman was a good movie. That now the extended oh, no. director's cut. I know, I know, <laughs> this is this is taboo, but it's the dr- extended director's cut, and we could have a conversation about that later. But <laughs> a lot of people do not like the DC 
uh, live action stuff. And I mean, rightfully so, like in, in some aspects. But as with how conservatives need to come about, I mean, you mentioned the Daily Wire coming out with, excuse me, uh, starting to come out with their movies. I mean, I saw Run, Hide, Fight, and I personally really enjoyed the film. Uh, it was very, like, uh, what what's the word? I'm, I mean, it, it's a movie about a school shooting, so it it's, like, it's a hard watch because, obviously, nobody wants to watch something like that, like, in a film. Right. But I, I feel like... And the conservatives need to be careful in the specifically the film industry that the kind of the Christian community that like has tried their hand at like Christian movies. And it, it's like really hard not to come off really, really cheesy. It really is. <laughs> and, it really and, is. and I'm not knocking these uh, Christian uh, producers, but it it's, some of these movies are really cheesy and you I feel like you lose a lot of people uh if cuz it's like when you're having a movie about like a gangster and then yet every single person he interacts with is like asking him if he's going to church even as gang members I'm like it kind of doesn't it it breaks um I I guess it just breaks the um I'm I'm spaced on the term, but just it's just almost break- as if it doesn't reflect mm-hmm. reality in the yeah. sense. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I get you yeah. there. When when I watched um Oh God's Not Dead, you know, it mm-hmm. it had a good message. It really mm-hmm. did. And but there was some elements to it that were kind of cheesy. And then, you know, oh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. I think the movie's been out forever now. But mm-hmm. um, the guy gets hit by a car and he's dying. And, you know, he gets his last chance with God, which is great. But then at the end of the movie, after this guy dies, everyone's all celebrating and happy. And I'm like, man, this is <laughs> like this is not resonating with me very well. Like, oh, you know, like, yeah, he's in mm-hmm. heaven. That is awesome. But at the same time, like. Mm-hmm. Think about this dude's fiance, you know, anybody yeah, in his exactly. family. It, it kind of breaks the suspension of reality. That's the term I was looking for. There you go. Uh, that is actually a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like Christian producers and conservative producers really need to be careful with coming off as really kind of corny and cheesy. And we got to just find our niche and maybe maybe write good stories and weave weave the uh, conservative messages into the stories because, I mean, there there are plenty of ways to do that. And I I feel like not making overtly conservative films or overtly Christian films, but kind of, I mean, doing what liberals have done and they've gotten really good at it, is weaving their messages into the movies. I mean, they've gotten very blatant about it re- pretty recently because they realize that they have no competition in the field. So why why hide the fact that they're putting all these overtly liberal and progressive messages in their films and content? Like, they they have nobody to go up against. So 
Right. It's almost like they're starting to get in that cheesy mode of kind of what the Christian uh, film industry is struggling Mm -hmm. with as well. No, exactly. Like I didn't even my my buddy. I was talking with my buddy last night and we were talking because I had watched um, the Shang-Chi movie last night and I was actually pretty impressed with it. Like I, I was well, I was going in with literally no expectations I heard pretty good things, and I heard some mixed reviews about Shang-Chi, and right. of course, it's one of the newer Disney movies, so, but I, I, I'm I, a sucker for kung fu movies, <laughs> so. Oh, I was yeah, like, same here. I was like, okay, I gotta try this out, and honestly, it was surprisingly good, and I was talking to my buddy, and he was like, do not go see Eternals, because it's just like three hours, you'll not get, you'll never get back. And you know, I I heard a lot of bad things too about Eternals that it just kind of abandoned the, you know, the writing and it was more of a, you know, almost a, got a little preachy on things and mm-hmm. that's that that's what my buddy said is like and and to me the trailers made the movie look so lame and I was just confused I'm like how could they possibly figure out three hours worth of content to put in this movie. And my buddy was like, they they really had two cool fight scenes, and the rest were progressive preachiness, exactly what you said. It was uh, all agenda. And then, yeah. but all I saw was the mainstream media bats just go bash the fan base of Marvel. Like, oh, you guys don't like the movie because y'all are racist or y'all are sexist, and it had its first openly gay superhero, so they they call this homophobes as well. So and I was like, oh, they must have it must have like I haven't seen the numbers, but I'm assuming Eternals did not do good in the box office. <laughs> yeah, from what I heard, it, it really didn't. In fact, most most of the time you don't even like I keep forgetting they made the movie because you don't really hear much about it anymore. No, I, I even just it remembered it because I was scrolling through Disney Plus. I was like, oh, it's already on Disney Plus. Like, man, that didn't take long. The movie just came out. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I but back to the question, like I said, I, I feel like there are some good, strong, conservative. Uh, we're, we we're setting the foundation, but we got to walk that line of not getting too cheesy. And I I feel like if we come out like the Daily Wire, the the problem is people say, they'll look at the Daily Wire and be automatically turned off to whatever content they put out, just the pure fact that they're the Daily Wire. Right. And I feel like, like I said, making films that have conservative like messages woven into it without being overtly conservative, I feel like you'll really get your foot in the door with especially how um, tribalistic things are and the political realm nowadays so you can definitely get people and we want people watching and listening to our content to get our messages across but if you can't even get your foot in the door then you're it's almost pointless yeah yeah it you know it, it really is hard at this stage of the game with everything being so divided it almost as if you know you just need a uh a studio to pretty much pop up, be, mm-hmm. you know, conservative, but not be, you know, so 
like the Daily Wire is, it's very mm -hmm. obvious that, you know, you know where they stand. But if we mm -hmm. had a, a studio of our own or something that wasn't, you know, beating people over the head with the message, but was slowly, you know, putting the ideas in films, that would probably be far effective. Yeah. And, and, and I, I feel like if we made good movies, like just have yeah. some good, solid movies and, and it just so... And, and that's the thing, like before Hollywood used to be making good movies and yeah, they, they'd have some liberal progressive stuff woven in, but, but you wouldn't notice it if you weren't like tapped into that, but it was right. still, you can still s say that that was a good movie. You wish there wasn't some progressive stuff in it, but that doesn't take away from the film. Now they don't care. Now right. they're making lazy half-assed movies shows and then when we get mad that and we call them out on their laziness we get called racist sexist homophobes i i swear being a hollywood writer it has got to be the easiest job in the world right now <laughs> pretty much at this point i mean i've almost to where i don't really watch a whole lot of movies or tv anymore because mm -hmm. it's it's either a lot of stuff being shoved in that's like, okay, like I get when you want to put your, your message in it, but if it's so blatantly beating mm -hmm. me over the head, it's not enjoyable or yep. it's yeah. let's read reboot, you know, some other movie for the sixth time now. And it's like, I already know the storyline. I want something new. No, exactly. And, and I, and I, I feel like this is really infected to the gaming industry as well like it's so dry in the gaming industry with content and and it's so upsetting that you see these triple a developers putting out these like skeletons of games like i i recently read that the new battlefield game is going free to play already it, it's been out like a month Oh man, and, and I spent made the mistake and bought that game. I did day too. One. <laughs> I wish oh. I got my money back. To Same be here. I I put it in. I was excited because I love. Um, I love I was, Battlefield. Same here. Three and four were my favorites, and then everything else has been either garbage, like Hardline, in my opinion, was garbage. Mm -hmm. And then you know you had uh, the one where they recreated World War One, which was not bad. And I, World I War actually II. really enjoyed uh battlefield one it wasn't uh, the only problem i had with it is because ea uh screwed over another developer team called respawn when they made titanfall 2 oh. which in my opinion was the best uh multiplayer experience of 2016 hands down but ea yeah. released battlefield one a week like a week before titanfall 2 and completely screwed over titanfall oh. 2 which was don't get me like don't get me that's on ea that's not on the right dice, like that's not on dice but that's that's just a knock at ea that they completely screwed over another dev team um yeah. but to me i i enjoyed battlefield one i i really enjoyed the gameplay and and it felt like they actually put effort into it and right. with battlefield or the world war ii battlefield that was like crap compared to, <laughs> to to one to one and and the new and the battlefield uh 2042 
I mean, it was fun for two seconds, but after you you use the tank, you, you pretty much can use every item in the game and be done within like two weeks. Yeah. Like, I, and then I, there's I, like two maps it cycles through right now, it seems. Yep. And, and, and the content, it just felt like a complete skeleton of a game. And my mistake is actually giving them money for that. Piece oh, I know. I learned my lesson. I uh, any EA game from now on, I'm waiting for a while. Yeah, I I should have realized like just after battle what they did with the Star Wars Battlefront two, I I was just I I should have been done at that point. But now I've made like a personal vow to not buy AAA <laughs> titles anymore. Just just as a personal thing because I I'm. I, I haven't been impressed with a AAA title in years. Yeah. And and to be honest, like playing like small indie games, that I, I've been having fun there, really, because these small indie developers actually care about the games that they're making. And they're right. not There's beholden to it. they're not beholden to producer or publishers like EA who make God a god amount of money with their FIFA and their Madden. They have all the their pay to win games. So if a game like Star Wars Battlefront 2 flops, they don't care. They're that that's not their Star Wars isn't EA's cash cow. So right. they they don't they don't care about any other games that flop as long as FIFA and Madden are making them money. Yeah. And um it's 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 really sad to see like and there used to be some really good games and there used to be some really good movies. But I, I, I feel like just there's there's been nothing that's thoroughly impressed me in a long time games or movie wise. And it's sad because I like games and movies. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you there. What? Um, Just a quick rabbit trail. What do you mm. how do you feel about Xbox buying out? uh was it activision and oh blizzard activision and blizzard that. for 50 billion dollars <laughs> yeah. yeah i i man i i just i wanted one thing and that's just uh excuse me uh diablo 4 like i've just been waiting for diablo 4 for the longest time so i don't know yes. if microsoft can get blizzard a kick in the pants to go in the right direction or I, I have no idea, but Microsoft pretty much owns all the big name d game developers right now. Yeah. I mean, I know they bought Blizzard Activision, but they they bought a bunch of other smaller developers in, in the past like month or so. So I don't know what their play is. I mean, it sucks for like I have I have a PlayStation and um, it really just kind of sucks that a lot of the do, are are we going to lose a bunch of our exclusives now that we have now that Microsoft owns it? I don't know, um, but yeah, I, I hope for the best, but who, who knows at this point? Right. Microsoft it, it seems... Microsoft can't even get Windows 10 to work well, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle these blizzard act blizzard activision yeah i'm 
so I am an Xbox guy. I have an mm. Xbox, and and I'm, I too, I'm like, man, I I hope they do something with it, but I I I just I don't have a whole lot of faith in Microsoft. So no, well, I have a p like I I, well, before when the 360 and a PlayStation 3 came out, my brother had the 360 and I had the PlayStation, and we just like switch uh consoles whenever there was a exclusive we wanted to play so i i never really was even though i mean the 360 was absolutely like uh, i loved my 360 but there was also some really good playstation games like i i love playstation exclusives and recently there hasn't been a microsoft's exclusive just hasn't been hitting like Gears of War isn't what it was. Forza is like only for people who like racing games. So it's like in Halo, I know I, I've heard mixed things with Halo Infinite. And don't get me wrong, not knocking Halo, but ever since like Reach, I, I haven't been interested in touching it. But well, it's just, it's like the same thing with Hollywood. It's just another reboot, redo, mm-hmm. re, you know, I, I feel you there. Um, so I got a question for you. I, I've mm-hmm. been listening to your podcast. I really enjoy it. Um, and in one of your episodes, you talk about how you kind of got into politics from a Bernie Sanders supporter. So can you kind of tell us the story of how that happened and then how you ended up finding yourself crazy enough to be a conservative? Hmm. Uh, well, it, a couple years ago, I was uh, doing a ministry internship with the Dream Center in L.A. And uh, people in the like the ministry community with the Barnetts would know who I'm talking about. Um, and so I was in L.A. for like seven months, give or take. And it was uh, talk about culture shock moving from Dallas, Texas to L.A., <laughs> Oh, man, I couldn't believe that. It was the strangest thing because people in L.A. or in California, they they don't understand the Southern hospitality. And it was so weird because in Texas and really almost anywhere in the South, you can talk to strangers, smile at strangers. I mean, hold the door open, ask, ask how others are doing. Not in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) If, If you if you talk to somebody that you don't know they're they're gonna think you you're either robbing them or you're crazy and it was just (laughs) or both it was just such a weird experience but and the people were pretty mean but there was some pretty good food places in la like like some pretty good mexican places but really so during the internship the other class uh, I made friends with a bunch of different people, and uh, one of one of my now friends, uh, he he was a self-proclaimed Bernie Sanders supporter. And at this point, I I didn't really know anything about pol- politics. I I it's not like I tried to like steer away from politics like people sometimes do, but I just didn't right. know. I I just didn't know enough to have a conversation. And so my buddy, who just starts talking about it and i just start asking questions like i'm like oh what's uh republican mean what's democrat mean what's conservative liberal mean like i just started asking questions and really right. and really the 
thing that kind of set the compass going northwards was just my uh, uh, love of firearms. I mean, I grew up with guns. I, I We had a ranch up at like North Texas. So we had a couple hundred acres out there and we always go out and shoot with my uncle or my, uh, my grandfather, who's two, both of these guys are big gun advocates. And so that was kind of what really set me going towards more of a conservative viewpoint was just my love of firearms. <laughs> and, I, and I'm pretty sure once if you live in Texas, isn't it like a law required that you have to at least own like three or something like that? Like it, as soon as you cross the border, they hand you a gun uh, or something. It's kind of like a, a social like contract uh <laughs> just like <laughs> just to keep you i mean your your neighbor if your neighbor's like armed as well hey you got you got a posse so right, right. <laughs> and uh i actually didn't get my first firearm till like maybe a year or two ago actually i just decided i was like you know what like i i don't have a firearm and i was like you know what why not so yeah. I got a I got a pistol and now all, all I have is my pistol and um, I had a revolver that I sold but I now have just an AR-15 and a nine millimeter right now. Oh, um, nice. So, but that kind of really set me going in a conservative direction. And then when I got home, uh, I started uh, listening to uh, Stephen Crowder, the his Louder with Crowder. And funny enough, his uh, he him and his brother used to do skit comedy sketches for my church in Dallas. Like you, they oh, used really? to uh, visit my my family's church in Dallas. So I actually, uh, I I wouldn't say I'm um friends with Stephen Crowder, but we've met uh, before, and uh, he's a great guy. So obviously, I was drawn to his content, actually knowing right. the guy, and. So I just really like I was like, man, this this is he's sp speaking to me. I, I I I I like this guy's content. And then I uh, found Ben Shapiro because Ben Shapiro went on Stephen Crowder's show. And then I started listening to Ben uh, a lot, really liked uh, Ben stuff. So I, but I, I feel like I personally would line up like between Steven Crowder and Matt Walsh. <laughs> That's kind of where, <laughs> where I'm, where I'm in between. Oh, uh, so you're a customist. Uh, kind of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but th that's kind of, and, and I'm still my buddy back in LA who kind of set me on this path. I mean, we're, we, we're still friends. He, and he's like, I, I think he said he's a, um, a neo fascist or something like that what? and i'm like i'm like okay well i i literally told him i'm like well i'm on the completely opposite end of you but uh but no he's a great guy and he he's really who's like i said set me on this path and we're we're still friends and we could still have good conversations even though we both know we're on the complete opposite excuse me uh, ends of the political spectrum and that's kind of what kind of I, I love people. I mean, growing up in the ministry, I, 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 I love meeting new people and love talking to others. And I, I just really want to get people having conversations with especially people with 
uh, differing political opinions. I mean, that that's the one thing about Gitter that I don't like is because there's only conservative viewpoints getting on yeah. Gitter, and it becomes an echo chamber. So, and to me, I mean, like, yeah, it's good we have our own platform that we have have no fear of getting deplatformed. But I mean, how, how, that's not growing the conservative base at all. Well, and that and when you get into an echo chamber, you don't have anyone there to tell you that your ideas are stupid. Because sometimes you That's need true. that that other person on the other side of things who thinks a little different to be like that that wouldn't work or that's crazy. And mm-hmm. the, and I think that's kind of what we see in you know Hollywood and the news and stuff is mm-hmm. they don't have those voices to be like, hey, you guys are being idiots. Now it's just this mm-hmm. echo chamber. Yep. No, exactly. They, they've had nobody to correct, help corral them and they're not going to check each other. I mean, that that's I'd say the difference is because conservatives, we, we've been able to kind of like police our own side, like when people are going off the deep end on going like super far right. Like, yeah. People like Steven Crowder, people like Ben Shapiro will rightfully kind of denounce is a strong word for what I'm trying to portray. But they, we know how to separate really far right. The left right. doesn't know. The, the left has forgotten how to do that, and so they they have completely forgotten how to kind of police their own side because progressives is like they're constantly in the state of. I'm doing air quotes progressive because that implies that they're it's actually what they're doing is good, which they're not. They've lost that. Right. But they kind of don't have painted themselves in this corner where anything anybody who says a differing opinion opinion is immediately ostracized or or cannibalized. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's interesting to see even Bill Maher, who's a pretty liberal guy, but he's he's like I've seen some clips of Bill Maher where he's actually like kind of trying to separate himself from the very far left. And I, I was like, OK, well, props to him. Credit where credit's due. Right. I wish more people on the left would be able to do that. Yeah. You and me both, which kind of leads into my next question is, you, you know, um, this almost like a rage. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the story that's kind of going on in uh, the podcast right now is dealing with forms of rage, um, whether, you, you know, it's a rage that is justified because there, there are mm-hmm. things that happen in life that, you know, there's obviously you have a right to be angry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's stuff on the other side. And you see almost when their own side doesn't toe the line or when mm-hmm. someone speaks out against something, it's almost this crazy rage. Like it's not just, they're not going to just come after your words, but they're going to come after you. They're going to come mm-hmm. after your job. They'll come after your family. Um, how do you think this kind of all started and entered into our culture? And, and I guess my, Next question to follow that too would be: Do you think there's a way to reverse, or do you think we're just too far into this now that things are going to get worse? Um, I I think rage plays a part, and I I think rage has always been there. It's just kind of 
I, I think it's a byproduct of the media and not only the media, but the internet being able to see like everything just with the news and, and being almost bombarded with negativity 24 seven from the news online, from uh, social media, from, and I mean, never in history have we been able to like hear about like bombings on the other side of the planet. And I, I, I feel like that definitely exacerbates, uh, right. Like it's definitely puts people like in a bad mood and really like gets you ready to fight. Like I, I get that way whenever I see, uh, news about either human traffickers or like uh somebody abusing like the children or whatever like that that completely makes me <laughs> angry and right. justifiably so but that's not really good for my mental health and i i feel like being in that constant state like and where everybody is in that state of mind where they're constantly being bombarded with negativity i mean that can't be good for the the collective mental health of not only our country but the world um also uh resentfulness i feel is playing a part because either people feel like they're resent they're resentful especially with um the crt critical race theory and this the strain on race relations i feel like the left has really put a like resentfulness into like really on like in everyone's hearts like you black people are resentful to white people for some perceived phantom white privilege so they could just blame their problems on white people and white people on black people and and, and it's just like and and this resentfulness or or ma- males to females and females to males i i feel like this is definitely like sending us into a downward spiral where nobody can even look at each other in the eyes because they're resentful and angry and they don't know what to do about that because it's not like you can just go uh like kill people or just go beat beat people up and because that's not a society (laughs) that we are or deserves to exist but i i feel like people need to really find an outlet for their rage and their resentfulness and really i i feel like there's a stigma around um going to therapy and I I feel like that stigma needs to be broken because there's nothing wrong with going to therapy. And it's, it's very helpful to talk through things with somebody who's not a family member. Who's I'd say not a friend because you, you form a relationship with your therapist, but somebody who's outside of the picture. And, and not only that, but I think, um, excuse me, that faith needs to come back into the equation 
And I, I feel like because as Christians, we're taught to be slow to speak, slow to anger. Uh, and, and we're taught these things and really to it'd be easier to give my anger and my resentfulness over to God and really be able to almost unshackle myself from from it in a sense. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like that's pretty lost in our society nowadays. I mean, there's very few. I, I wouldn't say very few, but I, I think we're in a post. Like religion era in our country to where uh, the majority of Americans have probably already made up their mind on being a Christian, being not a Christian, being an atheist. I, I feel like a lot of people have already made made that decision. So you have a lot of people who do not have a church. They don't have a community. They don't have a, a pastor. Or they don't have a relationship with God to really uh, give these feelings over to and, and release it. I mean, because the rage needs to be released somehow. like Or right. else it'll just keep bottling up until it boils over. And then it's not going to be good for anybody around you. Right. So, and you, and you kind of mentioned how faith plays a part in it. Um, and since, you know, obviously we're both Christian, we're both mm -hmm. conservative. Do you, have you noticed, at least I have, but dealing with a lot of people who think pretty similar to us, how it almost seems that the passion for the gospel takes a back seat for a passion for politics. Are you seeing this mm -hmm. as well? And, do you and what do you think about that? Uh, I I think passion in the church in general is lost. I mean, I, I was reading uh, one of Matt Walsh's books, uh, A Church of Cowards, which is a, a great book. But essentially, if you don't know about it, and for the audience, uh, Matt Walsh explains how say if the taliban came over to america looking for christians to murder or to convert that they they wouldn't find any because essentially the church has just lost our spine and and so are, can we even really call ourselves christians if we have yeah. no convictions and and it's i i highly recommend the book but in, in a sense i i'd agree with matt's assertion that now we've had churches that are essentially nightclub churches. I mean, there's nothing wrong with some fancy music and some fancy lights, but when that's all, all you are and you're all just fancy lights and a coffee shop in your lobby, I'm like, what, what are you really doing for the kingdom? Like, are right. you real, are, are you really setting people up for success and, and that that happened started happening in uh, one of the youth ministries that I was a part of growing up. That it just felt like like we were just trying to get as many kids into the church as possible, but ha but not feed into them afterwards. Like, right. and, and you can't really do. I mean, you can do that, but it's it's not how you set kids up for success, especially when they've given their heart over to God and, yeah. and you need that constant shepherding. And, and 
And I feel like if without that shepherding, you really get a bunch of Christians who have no convictions. And and me personally, like I, I went through a phase, even politically, where I was like, OK, I try, even I tried to separate my faith from my political leanings. And, and I, I mainly because I, I wanted to have these arguments be able to stand on their own without the Bible necessarily back because to me if i was using the bible to justify m- my political opinion somebody would just have to say they don't believe in the bible and then i'm 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 <laughs> i'm i'm what am i doing like right <laughs> I, they completely <laughs> taken the wind out of my sails but i i really tried to bring get some conviction back really in into to really fight for not only the church, but for my country. And, and I feel like that's real, that that if we don't turn tail on that aspect as not only the American church as a whole, we're, we're going to be in deep trouble. (laughs) Oh man. I agree with you on that. I, I, I really do. And it's, it's also sad to see there's a lot of, um, you know, and again, who knows how much, you know, they were really into the whole Christianity thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, you've got bands like Under Oath, which was huge for me when I was, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. And, and then you've got the whole other real big key figures who are walking mm-hmm. away from their faith. And um, it just seems that a lot of it does have to do with the fact of how the church the Christian church in general, at least in America has been developing people and shepherding people has just been lacking. It's more of a come here, you know, get your good feelings and then go do, you know, the rest of your week with whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's, um, uh, like I said, we, we got it. Got to bring conviction back. Got, got to bring, because you really think like there are places people and, I, I, I guess I could just chalk it up to Americans not knowing how really how bad it is in other parts of the world. I mean, yeah, like especially for Christians. I mean, we I, I know pastors who are who literally have to hide in like fuel tankers to get into like China to pastor their congregation and then end up in prison because they legitimately arrest people for being Christian in China. And I, I I feel, excuse me. I I feel like American Christians just forgot, like we, we've gotten too soft. Like we, we really don't know how good we have it in America because there's no other, maybe, maybe Israel, but even in places like the UK, I mean, I mean, you don't have anywhere in the world that you can freely worship like you can in America, especially yeah. for Christians. And I, I feel like we need to remember that. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we can be in places where they literally kill Christians for for the mere fact of being a Christian. Yeah. Like. Well, and it's it, just. It, it oh, almost seems as if, you know, with with that, you know, that the American Christian church has just gotten lazy and very complacent with how good it is. And that really, mm-hmm. when you kind of look at 
an American Christian, they might face persecution in the sense of someone might make fun of them. Someone mm-hmm. might mock them, you know, you know, people say, oh, the big daddy in the sky, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, you know, the Christians that don't live in these types of environments are, it, there's no fake ones because the fake ones end mm-hmm. up, you know, not sitting there confessing who they are because they know the price. And it almost is, seems to me that the American Christian church, almost did it, the best thing for it would be to face some sort of persecution because in that sense, the real Christians and real Christians grow in that and the church actually grows. No, sure. And, and, and the wheat get separated from the chaff. I mean, yeah. how many, how many people call themselves a Christian where uh, like I, I, I had this guy that went to my high school, he wore a cross around his neck. But when I asked him about it, he said, oh, he, his mom bought it for him and he, he just thinks it looks cool. But he he, he didn't call himself a Christian. And, yeah. and I asked him, that, I'm like, why are you wearing why, why are you wearing it? If, if you if you have no. But and, and anyone can call themselves a Christian. I mean, Hitler called himself a Christian, but right. Your actions speak louder than your words. I, I, I don't care that Hitler called himself a Christian. I, I well, I care what he did and like the massacres and and the millions he killed, or was responsible yeah. for killing. I I don't care like I don't care if you call yourself a Christian. What what are, what are your actions? Like what what do you what what are you doing for your community? What what are you actually doing for your the charities for the homeless in your area? Don't call yourself a Christian if you if you're not a Christian. Yeah. (laughs) If your actions, if you're not acting like a Christian acts, then don't call yourself a Christian because you're not. Yeah, please please don't. (laughs) You're giving us all a bad name, and there's plenty of us already doing that at this point. (laughs) Even in the Bible, like, yeah, yes, uh, accepting Jesus into your heart is the only way to get into heaven. But in the Bible, it says that in that fateful moment when you meet God, and Jesus is there to pretty essentially like give God the case of why you should be in heaven. Yeah. Jesus will say either two things. Well done, my good and faithful servant or be gone for I never knew you. Did you yeah. actually have a relationship with Jesus? I mean, yes. I'm. If you accept Jesus into your life. Te- uh, technically. You are a Christian, but did you have a relationship with Jesus? I, I feel like that is one of the key factors that a lot of people miss in that. Do, do you actually have a relationship with Jesus? And Exactly. A lot of people, it seems, they say the prayer and think they're good, but it's being a Christian isn't just, you know, mm-hmm. saying a prayer and being good. Being a Christian is getting up every day and following after him, doing, you know, Mm-hmm. maintaining no, totally. that relationship with which, which is what you were saying yep and, and i feel that that's being lost in a lot of these uh churches in, in america is because they they're all focused on oh just saying the sinner's prayer and then not even speaking to these people again i'm like no that is completely wrong <laughs> that, right. that you are not you are not setting these people up for success when you just like because it it's it I I'd argue it would be harder for your life 
after you accept Jesus and you really need that shepherding in your life to really stick stick with it because it's very easy to backpedal uh after becoming like becoming saved. I mean, I I personally got saved when I was 8 years old, but I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not a perfect guy, but I'm glad that I had a community to be a part of and and pastors to really pour and speak into me and not just like throw me off to the side after they know I've been saved. I mean, right. that, I, I, pro, I, thankfully I I've, and this isn't, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I, I, I stuck with it, even though my parents have all, are all been pastors. And I know a lot of pastors, kids fall away from the faith and, and that's really sad, but I'm thankful that I, I wasn't one of them. Yeah, yeah. Strictly because and, I I had a good community of other strong Christians around me. Iron sharpens iron, man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, um, so we are, and every time I talk with you, it, it seems like the time just freaking flies by. <laughs> um, I hope you'll definitely come on again. Um, so to kind of move us into a good closing discussion. Um, so. Any good movies, shows, video games that you kind of dive deep in and any of those that you know of that maybe good conservative theme, even if it's by accident, which Hollywood sometimes comes mm-hmm. out with a good movie by accident. So No, yeah, I, I, I specifically the one that comes to mind is uh, a movie with Vince Vaughn called The Brawl in Cell Block 99. I, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Uh, uh, like... Uh, this movie completely got kicked to the curb mainly because Vince Vaughn it, Vince Vaughn is an open Christian and an open conservative in Hollywood and you know that uh those people tend to get blacklisted right. so it's no surprise that this movie was kind of not given any publicity whatsoever but um a little synopsis is Vince Vaughn works for a drug dealer and he has to do a kind of like a joint operation with this other drug lord and things end up going south and Vince Vaughn ends up in prison. Well, the opposing drug lord thinks it was Vince Vaughn's fault for this deal going bad. So Vince Vaughn gets a visitor, visitor in prison from this drug lord and says, hey, we've kidnapped your pregnant wife. And if you don't get yourself to this other cell block and kill this guy for us, we're going to murder your baby and your wife. Wow. Like, it is, like, crazy. And and, and to me, it has a very strong pro, pro-life message. And, I mean, that might be because Vince Vaughn, I mean, I, I don't, just because of his faith and because of his political leanings, that's probably why he's in it. But yeah. uh, I, like I said, it has a very strong pro-life message in it, and it's a very good movie, uh, very violent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like Vince Vaughn uh, really embodies uh, the archetype of the shadow. If you've read any of Carl Jung's work, uh, he complete like he's like terrifying like Vince and Vince Vaughn's a big dude but you don't really realize like how big he is until you watch this movie of him just beating on these these like (laughs) uh, other people like 
And so he's he's a terrifying guy, but he's doing it for a, to save his wife and his unborn baby. I mean, it, and it really shows you that these villains that are gonna are threatening to kill Vince Vaughn's wife are truly like villains. Like they're they're yeah. really the bad guys. So I, I highly recommend that movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's it's called the Brawl on Cell Block ninety nine, uh, and it's it's awesome. I couldn't recommend it enough. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm like okay, I'm gonna have to go watch this movie now. It it'll be awesome to watch Vince Vaughn kind of because he does some really great comedy stuff, but he mm-hmm. also does some really good serious roles too. So yeah, be, this is one of his good serious roles that he does. Um. Another one that comes to mind is probably uh, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, what's the name of um, A Quiet Place? Oh, like, okay. I, I I feel like have have you seen A Quiet Place? I have seen. I haven't seen the second one yet, but I have seen the first. The second one is pretty good. I I feel like I I enjoyed the first one more, and then the second one really like broadens the movie up a bit yeah uh, in a sense but i i feel like a uh, quiet place really had a strong pro-life message as well like and because the the parents realized that their bait i mean the the wife is uh pregnant emily blunt is pregnant but the monsters can't have like super hearing so they can't like uh they can't do anything or these monsters will come and attack and try to kill them. So, and and it's not spoiler, but Emily Blunt has to essentially give birth like completely silent. And, and it just, it's just so suspenseful, but it it really, it's a strong pro-life message. Like I said, it's like the, the, there was a point to this bringing new life into this world that's been essentially decimated by these monsters and 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 i feel like that really like speaks and kind of counters this anti-life trope that people like it's but and it's come up in hollywood that's like oh i don't want to bring a baby into this messed up world like that, I I can't tell you how many times I've heard that shtick, either in real yeah. life or in film. And I feel like that's such a cop out. I mean, you have kids to make the world a better place. Yeah. Like you that and and to say that you don't want to bring a ch- like literally the greatest thing you can do in your life is have kids and yeah. and and be- bearing and raising children. It, and like is the greatest like just reiterating it's the greatest thing you could do and and i'm probably stepping on some people's toes that are really and there's nothing wrong with wanting a career but your career is not going to matter as much as bearing and raising children i'm i'm just oh especially at 80 you know when mm-hmm. you're retired and everything all that's behind you no and then you're exactly. by yourself Oof. no and, and then you have nobody i mean it, you really think your coworkers are going to be the ones taking care of you when you're 80 and nine years old. No, yeah. <laughs> they're See, not the, going to the, be. The trick is, is to have kids. So they drive you so crazy that you die mm-hmm. at a young age. 
That's no, I'm true. just kidding. <laughs> I have four wonderful children. I love them dearly, but <laughs> no, and, and my uh that I, I don't have uh kids yet, but uh God's definitely put a uh dream in my heart to be a father and a husband, just mainly because I have such great male role models in my life, my dad, my uncle, my grandfather. And, and I really want to in, almost embody what they gave to me growing up and get, give that to eventually my kids. And, and I, I think I could handle four. My parents had us all four before their fourth anniversary, I think. <laughs> so oh, they, man. All my brothers and sisters, like I'm the oldest of four. So wow. we were all pretty close together growing up. And yeah. But it, it's just hard because there's, especially in the dating, like I don't want to go off into another uh, rabbit hole, but just the dating scene where no, like it, it's so hard to find uh, like, like a good, strong, conservative woman now. Yeah. It's just the dating scene for like, I, I, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so lost with like, oh, I- I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, if something ever happened to you or or this didn't work out, I think I would just get two dogs and live in the woods and become a hermit because <laughs> I do not want to go through the dating scene again. And it wasn't even as bad as it is today. So No, yeah. I I I haven't been on a date in a while, but it's just like it's so hard to find somebody who's one, not like just completely unattractive. But somebody with a good head on their shoulders and a good moral compass. I mean, just finding somebody yeah. who has some legitimate conviction, like, is just so hard to find nowadays. And uh, I, I, well, I'm I'm still holding out hope that God has somebody <laughs> out there for me. But uh, well, I'll I'll be praying that you you find someone that I, I isn't I appreciate too that. crazy. <laughs> hey, hey. Well, I I think I'll. This is a knock against women, but uh, women, all women are a little crazy. You just got to find the one that's like the least amount of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) This is correct. And and I love my wife and I love my four daughters, but I have Mm -hmm. experience with this. They're all got their things, but they have have to be crazy. I have four daughters. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) But the thing is, is they have to be a little crazy to put up with us. So (laughs) that that is true. That is true. Yeah, I, I think. Man, I, I can't imagine. Like, I, yeah. I, I had uh, one of the pastors in my church has, like, three daughters, but, like, man, four daughters. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have your hands full, my friend. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, I've got, a, I, I've got my hands full, but luckily I've got enough guns for when, you know, the high school boys start coming around. I'm oh, well yeah. prepared. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll, you'll be the uh, father, uh, like— shot cleaning a shotgun on the front porch while they pull up and <laughs> just give them a look be like hey yeah. man, you know well, what you, don't you do is, what you do is you grab uh you grab the the shotgun shell and you throw it at them and you tell mm. them past midnight that's going to be coming a whole lot faster so <laughs> <laughs> i like that one yeah but, right <laughs> uh, but no yeah i i just uh i i hope for the country and and i i wish there's definitely some things that we need to work on or else we're going to be hurting pretty bad here in the near future. And 
Like I, I, I want America to stay together. I, I don't want a civil war. I don't want the breakup of the country. But right. if if we don't shift course pretty quickly, things uh, America won't last. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, why don't you tell people where to find you, where to come listen to you at, and uh, how to get in touch with you? Yeah, no, uh, my you can find me on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, uh, the Conservative Nerd. Also, uh, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, the Conservative Nerd. I think on Instagram it's the Conservative Nerd Podcast, and also we're on Gitter and stuff, but. Listen to the show. Apple, Spotify is probably the best place to listen to the show. Or Anchor. I don't know. Anchor is really like more of a distributing, but I know you can listen on Anchor. But uh, yeah, uh, we're just building a community of nerds who refuse to follow the herd. And uh, just if you've gotten sick of the constant progressive ideology, uh, I'm there to... (laughs) <laughs> talk about it and uh just uh really give conservatives a voice in the nerd nerd culture in the community so yeah come get uh give us a listen i i normally uh bring out a couple shows per week like mondays wednesdays and fridays so plenty of content to listen to but uh David, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, This has been a blast, and uh, I can't wait to come back on again. Oh, man, I am looking forward to it, and thanks again for coming, man. And uh, this was great. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. So here's a sneak peek of the upcoming season finale. Um, It'll be, I believe right now, I'm looking at two episodes. Um, It starts as a flashback, and it's going to be in third person instead of the usual first person uh, through the eyes of Sergeant Ilium. And then at the end, it will return through the eyes of Sergeant Ilium and back to first person writing. So just a heads up in case you're a little confused about you know the sneak previews like the one that was on christmas or this one without further ado here it is through the light of the flame that now threatened to engulf the room five human figures stood behind the monster just beyond the doorway to the room Four of them in Bolshevik uniforms with rifles held high, and the one in the middle wearing a dark hood. The hood covered the top of its head, but the bottom half was pale, flaky white skin and lips chapped to the point of cracking. The hooded figure held a black chain that acted as a leash to the monster, which glistened in the light like obsidian would. Rodriguez let off the first shot that smacked straight into the monster's heart, or at least where the heart would have been. The monster paid no attention, as if it was merely a fly that had run into it. Ling let out the second shot at the monster with the same effect. It continued to stand there, as if it had no care in the world, no care of bullets flying at it. Then the black hooded figure flicked his wrist 
causing the chain to whip and crack upon the back of the foul creature. Instantly, the monster roared, then charged at us. I squeezed off a shot at the head, but the bullet broke the gray, rotted flesh, but bounced off the skull. Without notice, it continued on its path, jumping over flames of the broken lantern and knocking back Ling in one swift but clunky motion. It swung its arms violently in a blind fury, reaching out into the direction of Ling, who began unloading his rifle upon the creature, each bullet striking its target with a meaty thump. But still, the beast didn't care. Finally, the creature's claws found Ling and scooped him up with little effort, as if he were a small child, and brought him up close to its face, only mere inches away, and gave a great sniff. Inhaling Ling's smell and exhaling black ooze that speckled Ling's face. The rest of the men forgot they were in a fight and froze in horror as the beast opened his elongated jaw wide and clamped down upon the neck of its prey. No sound emitted from Ling's mouth, just soft gurgles and bubbles of blood as his body went limp. Then the beast pulled with all of its might it could muster from its neck and tore the head and throat from Ling's body. As the beast chewed, a sick laugh erupted from the doorway. Then without care of interrupting the cruel joke, a volley of shots erupted from the doorway, each one missing, but successfully snapping the three remaining horror-struck soldiers from their shock. Rodriguez fired three shots in the door and yelled, We gotta get out of here. Miguel, go first, back the way we came. Rodriguez, I will cover you. Yulian's rifle bucked in his hands. Miguel lowered his gun and made his way to the door. Two shots whizzed behind his back, and a third went wide left as he crossed the threshold of the hall they had just entered from before. Go, Rodriguez. You first, Rev. Rodriguez, that's an order. Rodriguez then let two more shots off before dropping the barrel down to the ground and sprinting to the door, all while the beast could care less as it ate and chewed its food happily. This has been A Better Utopia, an audiobook podcast written and produced by Counterculture Rebellion. Tune in February 14th for the beginning of the season finale to find out what happened.